0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up, behind this curtain line
2: Welcome back, Boils and Ghouls, Ladies and Germs, Talking Terror fans nationwide and worldwide. It's that time again. It's Talking Terror. We are brand new this week. And it has come to be my pick this week. So what did I do? I decided to go back to my wheelhouse of the 1970s. And we're going to be discussing Alice Sweet Alice, directed by Alfred Soule from 1976. Looking forward to that later on in the show. A little bit of grindhouse, Catholicism, horror, you name it. American Giallo, it's all there. We'll be discussing that later. Uh, as I always, I am your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. Hope you guys are having a good week. The midweek slump is over with. We're a little bit closer to the weekend. But first and foremost, I am joined by the co-host that was not here last week, but he is here now, the bold, the beautiful, the solo one himself, the gold geeky.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Still have yet to see solo, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker didn't it didn't come out yesterday. It's I guess it's releasing Friday for whatever fucking reason. I
2: thought that was in, in theaters already. I didn't think that's uh, I thought that came in and out.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about like on home, man. It's like coming oh out tomorrow tomorrow or Friday on fucking like, you know, Xbox and whatnot. Oh, well
2: you definitely say it then you're the digital guy, so get around to seeing it when it's digital, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. Normally these movies come out on Tuesdays. I was excited. I ended up getting off of work early yesterday and shit. And
3: mm-hmm. I'm like, all
1: right, I'm gonna get home. I'm gonna fucking buy this shit and watch it finally. You know, because I skipped it in theaters. And nope, not available.
2: Well, it will be, and I'm sure you'll be able to sit down and watch the cult classic. I'm sure of Solo, the Star Wars story.
1: <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. So. I'm sure, uh, I'm <laughs> sure it's going to be a regular fucking Citizen Kane, man. It,
2: it's just going to be like a New Hope Oliver again. It's just going to be exciting as ever. So, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not a <laughs> real sure guy. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. Who knows? But uh, so we are also joined fresh out of his cage. He's finished his tapioca and he's ready to get back on air. The Mad Monkey.
0: What's up? fight fans, this is Talking Terror's Monkey in a Jacket, broadcasting you live from you-know-where, you-know-when. Hi, Monkey. <laughs> hey, ghoul. It's awesome <laughs> to have you back. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. Uh, let's have some fun with this motherfucker tonight.
2: Great. How are you guys doing tonight? Beg your pardon, King? I said, how are you doing tonight, Monkey? Clear the wax out of your ears, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm doing great. I'm just, just just excited to get to this um, interesting episode that we're going to be having tonight.
2: Yeah, what? What's
0: it until <laughs> we get to it? All right.
2: <laughs> We've already talked about it. I know where you stand. All right. Let's just wait until we get there. Um, but uh, you know, we're going to be joined. I'm, I'm sure at some point by the doc. I know he different time zone, different things going on for him. I know he's got a lot to talk about with hard news. As do I. So I could uh, cover some different things before he gets on. But first and foremost, fellas, we lost a movie icon uh, this previous week and Burt Reynolds. Amazing, yeah, yeah, uh, passed away. What a what a bummer! I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, that's definitely a
0: big kind of Hollywood legend
2: uh, that passed away.
0: Yeah, absolutely, uh, and it, it's just for me. It's like you know, he we we all grew up with him. You know, we all watched you know The Smoky and the Bandit and Cannonball Run and all that kind of stuff. Me, though, is like, I didn't realize how big of a star he was just because we were just kids until he had that huge-ass auction and just saw all the weird-ass shit that he had in his big-ass house. Like, I don't don't know if you guys ever poked around at that big-ass auction that he had, but he had, like, a bunch of insane shit. Like, you know, he had, like, a gold-plated actual you know, c- carriage for, from when he got married and shit like that that was given to him and a whole bunch of other cele- celebrity swag that was given to him over the years. It's just, apparently he was just, a, I had no idea that he was just such a big, big deal in Hollywood in the 80s.
1: No, Fucking no. Burt Reynolds was definitely an icon, man. I mean, you know, again, just similar to you, Monkey, you know, growing up, he was, you know, in a lot of movies that I know that my parents liked and, you know, even my grandparents liked. You know, for me, there were definitely certain films that I enjoyed him in. Um, obviously, Cannibal Run, Smokey and the Bandit, stuff like that. Um, but then, you know, I think his, his older stuff were were films that I didn't see because, again, you know, I was a fucking weedy kid that preferred to watch, you know, science fiction and shit like that. And Burt Reynolds just seemed like, I don't know, like a, a Chris Christopherson, like a cowboy type of guy.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I agree with that. Um, I know, like, when we talked about it with the group chat, uh, when he actually passed away, uh, we were talking about our favorite movies uh, that he's been in. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, I know we brought up Smoking the Bandit, uh, Cannonball Run. But there was also two movies that was one, it was White Lightning, and then the sequel, Gator. I don't know if you guys remember those two movies, but they are fantastic car chase movies. If you love Smoking the Bandit, you would definitely like White Lightning and Gator. Uh, they are, Burt Reynolds probably at his best, with the, the southern racing and cars, and it's just two fantastic 70s movies.
0: I, I thought Gator was a Jerry Reed movie.
2: No. It was the sequel to White Lightning. I'm sure there was oh, another called okay. Gator, I'm sure, but yeah. And then, uh, uh, Ghoul, obviously, Boogie Nights. I mean, that, that, I think Boogie that Nights, might be my man. favorite one. You know, that, uh, can't say enough good things about fucking Boogie Nights.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just a, a huge fan of that film in general. So, and his performance in it was just, you know, I, I, it was something to behold, which was, you know, which was great. You know, it felt like a resurgence for him. Um, you know, felt like he had kind of dropped off the radar for a number of years. And to come back with that and just, you know, being a, a fan of that era of porn, to see it represented that way and to feel so authentic. Uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, the one that, for me, is the standout film for him, you know. Yeah, I was
2: gonna remark and on Deliverance, that too, obviously. That I like was, well, Deliverance, of course. I mean, that's a classic film. But yeah, Boogie yeah. Nights, I felt like, it was his resurgence of a film. Uh, like Dennis Hopper, when he disappeared for a while, that he came back and he made Speed. Everybody thought that that was kind of like his comeback role as playing the villain in Speed. And then you have Reynolds playing a porn director in Boogie Nights. But it's one of those things where it's they were never gone. They just took a break. And then they come back and they mm-hmm. make a great movie like that and then keep on going. I mean, we could skip over Cop and a Half. <laughs> but, well, oh, I, yeah. think, no, I think right that's here. the
1: thing, though, I'm you know? Just, like I'm He hit a point in his bad. career where you're making a movie like Cop and a Half. Yeah, you know, so right, yeah. yeah.
2: Paycheck. Movie. Just you know, it's that I. H- hello. Hello, Doctor. Welcome to the show. Paging
3: co-hosts. I first need to just jump shut in right the there. Shut the fuck because,
1: up.
0: No, you shut the fuck up. Uh, first of all,
1: because I love. All, I'm the doctor, and I love cop and a half.
0: <laughs> he just likes sword fighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. i a cop and a half. And a half. Uh, why the cop is always in your brain?
3: I have no idea, but. I'm sorry for my delay. I had a, a, a comedy of errors going on over here, but I'm I'm here, and I'm ready to go. And I'm assuming, obviously,
2: that we're talking about the late Burr Reynolds.
1: Yes, yes, we, we are. are. No,
2: not at all, actually. We were talking about Heather Graham. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> sure, we and Mark Wahlberg's huge dick. 13-incher, baby.
0: He's a rock star. He's a rock He'll <laughs> be rocking so, right into the next year.
1: <laughs> I know karate, man. There's a lot of myths
3: representation i feel uh with all of the talk lately in the public sphere about burt reynolds who obviously Mm. a very popular actor a sex symbol of his time and all of that and before i want to get to my point is it okay if i just uh i'm assuming you guys were sharing your favorite burt reynolds movies is that what was happening yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely. yeah okay so mine is twofold first i am going to agree uh with boogie nights which uh it is my long standing opinion that that is the finest movie of the 1990s that is my favorite film of the 90s i think it's the best movie of the 90s mm-hmm. his performance my only I mean, argu- bo- my
1: only argument with that would be you know, uh, american beauty man i yeah, you know, american beauty i would
3: i i enjoy american beauty i think it's a it's a great film uh i rank uh i rank uh boogie nights ahead of it for for certain um oh, especially over Pulp Fiction? Uh, I, I rank it over Pulp Fiction, I rank it over Shawshank Redemption, and I certainly rank it over American Beauty. I think that huh. Boogie Nights is near close to a perfect film. I really, really enjoy American Beauty, but I have found that uh, it, it has not held up so much, um, just in my personal opinion. Okay. No. But, uh, but I mean, obviously Burt Reynolds' performance in Boogie Nights is absolutely tremendous. Uh, he actually uh, clashed hard with Paul Thomas Anderson and hated it uh, while he was making it. Um, turns out that uh, he got nominated for uh, for uh, Academy Award.
0: That's supporting, Best, yeah. yeah.
3: Best supporting, uh, and he lost to Robin Williams for Good Will Hunting. Uh, another great film. But anyway, uh, my favorite Burt Reynolds film. Uh, And I talked about this on social media is Smokey and the Bandit, the first one. And the reason for that is because uh, when I was like a wee little one, I had a thing with like cars and 18 wheelers and CB radios. It was like a thing when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, that had like all of it. Uh, There's another movie uh, from the from the 70s with Chris Christopherson and uh, Ernest Borgnine called Convoy. Um, Convoy. Smoky, yeah, Smokey and the Bandit and Convoy were like two humongous films for me uh, when I was a child. And I just, I have seen Smokey and the Bandit a billion times. It was just on uh, on AMC or something like before he died, like a, like a week before. Yeah. And I had it on, was watching it, loving it. Um, and then, yeah, just a couple days after that, uh, obviously Burt Reynolds passed away. But um, I don't want to ramble on about this, but I do have a point to make. Uh, and I feel that this is one of those things that people do, uh, just like the king did the other day when he and I uh, were messaging about Sylvester Stallone. And he was making like, don't, uh, stop for my mom will shoot jokes or, or Oscar jokes. Yeah. That's low hanging fruit. Those are hack jokes. Now, I have referenced my hot box numerous times on the show uh, when I had the uh, de-scrambled uh, TOCOM cable box in my bedroom. Uh, And in that time, it was like 1992, 1993, 1994. So there was a whole series of movies in that time that came on to pay-per-view that I have seen like a thousand times. And Cop and a Half is one of them. And you make jokes about it, but Cop and (laughs) a Half is actually a pretty damn enjoyable, kind of smartly written, fun movie of like adult with kid sidekick. Uh, It gets made fun of, but I feel that... That is like a, like, a, like a societal joke that gets made where, like, a lot of people that make this joke really haven't seen that movie. And Cop and the Half really isn't that bad. It's actually pretty I saw it in the poison. theaters when I was a kid.
2: So, I mean, it's just, I mean, I didn't like it when I was a kid. I mean, it's like Cops and Robbersons with Jack Talents. You know, it's low-hanging fruit maybe, but at the same time, it's just, I don't know. Me personally, I didn't like Not it. Not the movie. Making fun of it is low-hanging fruit. Well, um, yeah, but at the same time, I, it's just one of those things.
3: It's just it's hacky, it's hacky jokes. But people, point talked about, people talked about, and this is one of the things that I said about all of the public talk about Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. So when he came in, came around and, and appeared with this massive performance in Boogie Nights, um, if you go ahead and take a look, he had been nonstop, consistently working. Uh, with multiple films every year, not much in there that uh, that you might have seen uh, or even heard of, but consistently working. Uh, Boogie Nights blew him up again, but it, people talk about, oh, it was the resurgence of Burt Reynolds. But if you go and you look at what he, all of his work after that, he went right back doing the same kind of work that he was doing before that. It didn't catapult him into like an upper echelon of roles the way, say, John Travolta when he came back with Pulp Fiction, all of a sudden was high profile again with all of these great projects. Um, So to call it like a resurgence uh, is like, I feel like it's kind of like a miss. It's kind of of like a misrepresentation of his career. And that kind of bothered me to hear all of the public hubbub about that over the last week or so since he
2: passed away. Well, I think it was the public acknowledgement, once again, of Burt Reynolds as being a great actor. It wasn't that he wasn't working anymore, like you had said, he was working. But Boogie Nights kind of made people recognize again that Burt Reynolds is a great actor, and he deserves recognition. That's that's what I think about Boogie Nights anyway.
3: And it's an absolute shame because he was going to play George Spawn in Tarantino's uh, Manson movie. And really, uh, yeah, oh yeah, he was signed on. He was signed on, and it people were actually talking how. Uh, this was gonna be like a late career like the same way Boogie Knights was in that kind of three quarters of the way through his career. Right. People were talking about Burt Reynolds signing on as George Spawn of the Spawn ran- of the Spawn Ranch was going to be like the end of career uh like shining moment. And unfortunately, uh while that movie has begun filming, none of his part was shot yet. So uh that role is gonna Uh-oh. have to be recast and uh uh, we're not going to get to see Burt Reynolds in that role.
2: I would have loved to have seen that. That's honestly. a bummer. I think he would have
3: been great. Yeah. He was going to play George Bond.
2: Would have been great to see that. All right. So now that you're here, Doc, uh, what do you have for us in terms of horror news that you want to discuss?
3: I have a dry mouth because my comedy of errors is that I've, you I got don't really stoned? feel like drinking beers tonight. <laughs> no, I'm not. I didn't get stoned. But I, I – I, I didn't really feel like drinking beers tonight and when I don't drink beers during the show usually I I, I lean towards white wine. And oh, uh, on Wednesdays yeah. <laughs> on on Wednesdays there's a there's a farmer's market right across the street in the park from where I live. So I walk over, you know, get some stuff and then I like right up the road is a seven eleven. So then I walk over there and I buy a bottle of cold white out of the case and walk home and so I stick it in the freezer as I'm, like, finishing up dinner, and I forgot about it. So I'm, like, getting ready to come into the show, and I go to grab the wine. I'm, like, oh, shit, it's in the freezer, and I grab it, and it's frozen. So I'm, like, you know, running water on it and shit and trying to thaw it enough so I can get a glass and get in here. Uh, you know, so that was the cause of my, my delay. <laughs> I God didn't know that I do the, the show.
0: Oh.
3: God God forbid I do the show without some alcohol.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> why I took so the beers. Cool,
3: put them in the fridge. What? <laughs> But anyway, well, oh, go ahead, Doc. So, is Burt Reynolds all that
2: has been covered thus far? Yes, I was holding off on horror news until you joined us.
3: All right. Uh, So, uh, I'll start out. Um, So, I guess the first thing that I want to talk about. uh, Did you have you guys heard of In Search of Darkness yet?
2: No. What is that?
3: In Search of Darkness uh, is an upcoming documentary uh, that explores uh, '80s horror as a cultural retrospective, and the the trailer. No, no, the trailer was just released for this thing, and I have to tell you, the trailer is absolutely fantastic. It captures like. Everything you remember about the 1980s and 1980s horror and 1980s society and music and sound and what it looked like, like, to perfection. It looked super fun. Um, So I think that you guys should check that out. You should take a look at that trailer. I didn't know if anybody had heard about this or not, but this looked super exciting to me. Uh, It looks like it touches on all the bases. The one thing that kind of turned me off is that it says that, uh, you know, commentary, uh, some commentary provided by popular YouTubers and social media influencers. And I once enjoy. I hear those popular <laughs> YouTubers and social media influencers, I want to jump out a fucking window. But um, yeah.
2: But anyway, I, I, I,
3: I, strongly, I strongly suggest uh, taking, taking a look at the trailer for In Search of Darkness. It looks super, super fun. I was really, like, I was, like, kind of getting, like, that giddy fun feeling as I was watching it. It was really exciting to me.
2: Yeah, (laughs) you bring that up, and the one thing I wanted to bring up to you, Doc, was that you had brought up on the show a couple weeks ago a movie called Skeletons in the Closet, Um, and you had talked about how it's a new movie coming out, and I checked out the trailer last week. Uh, Yeah, I was blown away. I cannot wait for this fucking movie. Like It was like a fanboy just, oh, my God, this movie is going to be great. Brought me right back to being a kid, watching horror shows late at night when I wasn't supposed to. It just had all the right elements. So Skeletons in the Closet, I'm really looking forward to, and I appreciate the fact that you brought that up on the show. So yeah, yeah. I've been kind of,
3: you know, keeping my eyes open for some of these things that look a little more fun and a little more interesting than the usual uh, drivel, you know, that gets uh,
2: passed around. So, in search of darkness. Uh, do you know when the release date is for this?
3: Uh, I I don't have it in my notes, but I can uh, take a quick look here and uh, and see. Let's see. In search of darkness. Uh, release. <laughs> Baseball release. I'm kidding. Um, Great. Let's see. (laughs) Anyway, what else you got, King, while I look this up? Uh, Well, the one thing I
2: wanted to talk about uh, that I had for Horror News, my little segment, is that it came out this week that Jordan Peele, along with his production company, Monkey Paw Productions, are planning on doing a Candyman reboot from the original Candyman of 1992. So they're planning on doing a revisioning of Candyman. And I don't really know where I sit with it. I was talking about this with the monkey last night. I just I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm not against it, but I'm not sure if it's going to be a good idea because Tony Todd made that character Candyman so iconic with his voice, with his appearance, with his stature. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to cast Tony Todd again as Candyman, if they're going to go completely differently. I'm sure they're probably going to go different and cast the new actor. But I wanted to get your guys' perspective on because we've all seen Candyman, we all have a different appreciation for the film. But do you think it's a good idea for them to do that, or do you think they should just do something original? Like,
3: before get anybody answers that, some... King, before anybody answers that question, what was the what was the film that said you said I brought up a few weeks ago? What was it called again?
0: Skeleton, skeleton in the <laughs> well, skeleton? Skeleton what? Skeletons, Skeleton's in, the in the closet.
3: closet.
0: Skeleton in the closet, right? Yeah, should should be through yeah. USA Network. <laughs> up all night. Okay, but while he's doing that, um, cool. Well, how do you feel about this?
1: Ah, uh, I'm uh, glad you brought it up because actually that was uh, the one bit of hard news that I was going to mention. Um, Great, yeah. It, You know, I'm not the biggest fan of the Candyman film. Uh, wasn't Ooh. my favorite. Like, I, I remember when it came out and all my friends at the time everybody was all about oh how scary it was it was this and that I just you know I found the movie to be mediocre Um, it, it was not what I had expected I guess and therefore just found myself disliking it at that time Um, revisiting it years later like I have with other films. You know, I I was hoping it would be one of those where I'd be like, oh, now I get it and blow, you know, and and be like, wow, what an awesome movie. And I wasn't blown away still. You know, for me, it's still just a mediocre film. Um, I still don't know if I want to see anybody else playing the role, nor do I really know if I even want, to revisit that world, if it's even like needed, um, I don't know. I guess you know Jordan feels smart though, and he's he's done some some interesting stuff. So if he's got some kind of new take on it, uh, let's see what he's got. And mm-hmm. what do you think, yeah. Monkey?
0: No, and like you were saying, King is you know if if we're gonna. D- tap back into this, you know, why not have the original actor in it? You know, he's still around. He's still acting. Because didn't he just uh, last year do the Dracula audio book?
2: Yes, for Anthony the show. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, you know, so he did that, so he's still around. He's still got his voice. You know, the rest, like, you and I were talking, King, the rest of it can be done with stuntmen. But my thing is, why do we need to, again, revisit another franchise? Jordan Peele has the writing abilities, we we know that, to, to write good horror, and I'm not opposed to creating another African-American horror franchise of some kind. Why not create a new franchise character? You, uh, you know, just make something new, and still, still have it African-American-based, you know, because, again, I personally don't think there's, you know, enough African-Americans in films as it is, you know, especially yeah. horror films that aren't being... You know the first to die. <laughs> um, you know, so write write a new franchise, write a great franchise, and you know deliver us a fresh new story. Is how I feel. Mm-hmm. All right, Doc. Have you done
2: Boy, any you research mean, and yeah thoughts?
3: Yeah, well, let's well, you know, we'll we'll get to that. Let's well, talk about Candyman though. I kind of I'm going to kind of echo both the the ghoul and. The Monkey here. Uh, I saw Candyman, uh, not in the theater, but upon video release. And uh, I think maybe from what the ghoul was saying, I think I enjoyed it a little more than him, uh, with the caveat that I, it was not what I was expecting. It was totally different than what I was expecting it uh, to be. Um, with that being said, Jordan Peele, uh, in, in our genre, has... Recently hit a fucking grand slam. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, out of nowhere. Um, you know, a uh, 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 brilliantly smart, funny horror movie, uh, dark and funny and effective that, like, crossed over all genre lines, mainstream acceptance and success, um, award season talk and stuff. Uh, just just a grand slam and there's been obviously talk about whether or not they're going to continue the story of Get Out or whatnot but it was kind of disappointing news to me when I'm hearing or reading that uh, you know like everyone else out there he's getting involved in like going ahead to like remake some big old property uh, that had some popularity at some time so I was kind of disappointed to see that hit such a home run, I would like to see him continue to explore some more uh, original ideas. Look, maybe he blew his load with Get Out, and, and that's it. Maybe he's got nothing else. Um, but, you know, when, when I saw that, uh, I, I, I was like, kind of like, oh, man, that's, that's what you're working on? And I know he's busy with the Twilight Zone thing and everything, but uh, my, my thoughts when I first saw it was just like a little bit of disappointment. Dude.
2: Yeah, it was an odd thing. Um, and I know, like, the ghoul, you had said that you didn't really like it, you know, and indifferent to it. Uh, for me, I mean, Candyman is such, not even such a great horror film, but it's a great love story, too. And I think that's what gets glossed over a lot with that first Candyman, is that it's not just a horror film, it's a love story. Um, and what was interesting is that Bernard Rose, who directed the first film in 1992, two years ago in 2016, had said that he had interest. in... So was of, Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> but, um...
1: He had (laughs) talked about
2: being interested in doing a retcon movie of Candyman That was retconning before it was popular to retcon movies To do a direct sequel to his film Featuring Virginia Madsen coming back as Helen And having Tony Todd come back as Candyman And revisiting that first story And I thought, that's great You know, I would love to see that I would love to see that revisited And I think that would be an interesting thing to go about But as far as a reboot you know Jordan Peele, like the doc had said, strong writer, strong director. He is hot right now, but Man I think, is just the wrong
0: direction to go. Yeah, agreed. It's just yeah, because c- like the doc said, it's like there's all these talks about other movies that he's working on. Like, you know, also there's t- there's talk about they're tapping him to possibly write and direct a Kira re- live action movie, which I think is just no, that's, that. her, oh. that's a terrible direction. Oh,
2: that's that's done
0: yeah. He's not doing oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, they already announced
2: that. Yeah, he, he's out of that one. Yeah, he already said he's not interested in doing that. Akira? Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely not the right director for that.
2: No, he already said yeah. he's not doing it. I mean, that came out, like, uh, a couple months ago, where he had said that they had approached me, I'm so interested, I don't want to do my own thing. So the Akira thing is out, which I think is a good move on his part. Which his own not thing is me.
1: apparently rebooting a 90s franchise.
2: Or a 60s television show. Exactly. Um, And the other thing, Doc, I wanted to bring up real quick, um, we were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood earlier with Burt Reynolds possibly playing George Spahn but he unfortunately passed away. But there is another Manson movie coming out in 2019 because, as you guys know, if you're Manson-files like myself, next year marks the 50th anniversary of the Tate-LaBianca murders that happened on August 9th and 10th, 1969. Mary Herron, who directed American Psycho back in 2000 with Christian Bale, is directing a movie called Charlie Says, which is going to focus on the girls. It's going to feature Sadie Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkle, Leslie Van Houten, the girls that were there during the murders. But what's interesting is that they chose Matt Dr. Who Smith to play Charlie Manson. I thought that was an oh. interesting
1: choice. looks really
2: good. There's a still shot of him as Charlie Manson. So I wanted to get the ghouls reaction first and foremost, because I think that's his favorite doctor of modern times. So I wanted to get his reaction about him playing Manson. I mean, I don't
1: know if I'd call him my favorite doctor of modern times. I think Tenet still holds that. Um, uh, Wow. What a, I mean, he's yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, You're right. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of speechless on that one. I just don't know if I can see Matt Smith playing fucking Charles Manson, man. It's just fucking bizarre to even like conceive that thought. Well, more power to him. I hope he. Uh, I mean, he's a great actor, so don't get me wrong. I've seen him, you know, in, in other things besides Doctor Who. I know he can play all kinds of uh, all kinds of roles. So, oh yeah, cool.
2: Yeah, I, I showed the Monkey last night a, a still shot from the film of him as
0: Manson. He looks good, looks the part. Well, but I wonder. Well, yeah. You know. n- no man, no. It, it, okay, he he looks no, kind man, of no. he, <laughs> looked, he looks kind of like him, but he's still, like you said last night, man. You said it looks like Matt Smith wearing a wig and a fake beard, though. It's just I don't funny.
1: think he
2: looks horrible. He looks okay. But, I mean, he has the but, tattoos but, and the and the you know, but. I want to know how he's going to pick up the cadences of Manson. Because like I said weeks before about Manson, he has particular cadences about how he talks. And I'm not sure if he's going to be able to nail those down. Like Damon uh, Merriman, who's playing him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm hesitant, but I think he could do a good job. So I'm wondering if if Matt Smith is going to be able to pull
0: it off. This is going to be a lot of work on Smith's part. Like not just the accent, but, you know, it's, getting the the weird facial expressions down, you know, the mannerisms. It's going to be a lot of work on his part. And, you know, and like you said, this movie is already, you know, filming. You know, we've got a couple of still shots from the movie and stuff like that. But Smith is going to have to work his ass off to make this work. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's another British actor, and I'm sure he's going to have to put on some kind of a southern twang especially because Manson, being from Kentucky, had a little bit of that cadence about his voice. But, you know, the mannerisms and the way he spoke, I mean, you know, it's been done. We've seen Manson being portrayed by numerous actors. But I'm really interested in seeing how Matt Smith kind of puts the spin on it, hopefully in a a good direction. Uh, But I'm looking forward to it because next year I think we're going to see a lot of Manson stuff next year. Like I said, with the anniversary coming out, I'm sure there's going to be brand new documentaries. There's going to be brand new movies. I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of, of Charles Manson stuff coming
0: out next year yeah you know and, and definitely a whole bunch of new documentaries that are going to be popping up all over the place all over cable yeah
2: oh absolutely all right so doc turning it back to you what else do you have for us
3: well before we get on to the next uh bit of news uh, just to circle back so skeletons in the closet had its uh theatrical premiere on september 7th just a few days ago at the davis theater in chicago Uh, You know, a big uh, screening from the creators, writers, directors, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I cannot find any information about any kind of wide theatrical release, but they say that they do hope that this will be on uh, one or more of your more popular streaming services in the very near future.
1: Excellent. All right.
3: Looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, So Ghoul, um, Ghoul, uh, I mean King, uh, uh, I have some similar stuff. Uh, but you had a bit of casting news that you wanted to talk about involving the upcoming Swamp Thing series. Is that correct?
2: Uh, yes, uh, because we we had talked about this. Uh, the Ghoul, cool, actually had talked a lot about this the DC streaming uh, site that they're going to be coming out with. Uh, that's got the the new Titan series coming out with it. Uh, so they are coming out so, with a Swamp Thing series.
3: Yes, that's going to, to be a Swamp Jing Thing yeah. series. And before. Right we talk about that series what i want to talk about very quickly is this dc streaming service so is this going to be like a netflix type service but everything dc related and it's going to be like a monthly subscription type deal
0: yes yep and just just like britbox
3: just like what
2: britbox Britbox. The, uh, the british streaming service Brit box.
1: Yeah. I have Britbox. that through Amazon actually. Because yeah, we actually saw uh, the old Doctor Who.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right. So <laughs> what what content, what is going to be the bulk of the content on this streaming service?
1: Well D C as much as they have a lot of you know theatrical based movies and live action stuff they also have a lot of television series and the more popular thing is actually their animated films um yeah it, they're wildly popular because i mean the fact is they're of just a much better quality um, than the films they've put out i recently've <laughs> actually just started getting into their their animated movies i've kind of dropped off as far as watching cartoons these last couple of years, and, uh, I have to say, I actually got into these movies. I mean, they are, most of them are R-rated, and they are great little films.
0: Yeah. So,
3: but, but, but before but, uh, we talk about uh, the Swamp Thing, uh, with this streaming service, uh, assuming it's going to be in the nine ninety-nine a month range, which would be my guess, um, you know, a lot of people like the, the talk all these. The talk these days is to cut the cord, get rid of cable, and you know you'll have Netflix and this and that. Are we getting close to a point where there's going to be just I don't want to say too many streaming services, but enough streaming services where you, we're just going to be paying a fortune in monthly fees to a dozen different streaming services? I know that Disney uh, has an upcoming streaming service as well. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be pulling all of their content from every streaming service that it's currently on, and have their own thing with their whole vault. Uh, so, I just every time I hear about like a yet another streaming service, I just feel like at what point are is, are people going to start looking at their fucking at their monthly bills and being like, shit, I'm spending two hundred something dollars in streaming service. <laughs>
2: Good point. I think that, you know, it's pick and choose, really.
1: I mean, I think it's going to come down to a number of things regarding that. Um, one, I think it should be a wake-up call to a lot of these cable companies that they really yeah. need to start adjusting their pricing. Um, you know, as far as, like, Disney's, you know, streaming service and things like that, you know, as long as these companies can put out original content, that is going to be exclusive, then people are going to want to get it. Um, Like I was just uh, recently, it was, you know, you know what? It might've been Donovan actually. Um, You know, one of the things I have currently had on my smart TV, because rather than get another cable box in my house, I have swing TV um, through my, my television, you know, and I pay $24, $24 a month. It's, it's all right. Um, yeah. You know, there's certain channels that it has, which I'm happy with. You know, it's similar to, to having basically cable in your thing, but for a hell of a lot cheaper than what cable costs around here. Um, that being said, though, I recently saw that Hulu is has their own version of that now as well. And it is $15 more but I am literally getting, you know, three to four times the amount of content, um, mm. which interests me because it's got a lot of channels that I actually do want as well, um, as far as the local networks in this area go. Um, plus, it also has, you know, ESPN, something that Sling does not have. You know, they don't have certain certain deals. Um, I look at the WWE Network, as an example of, you know, getting a streaming service that, yeah, you're paying $10 a month for, but you know, the alternative is if you want to watch a pay-per-view and you only have cable service, you're paying upwards of 40 to $50 a pay-per-view these days, or you can pay $10 a month and, and you can get every single one of them throughout the course of the year.
0: It's, it's a no
1: brainer when the content is there. Um, and yeah. if you're interested in that content and that's what you want to watch, then why not do it? You know, I think it's going to come down to providers now saying, "Hey, like Amazon, like they brought up BritBox. I don't have BritBox through my computer. I have it through my Amazon through the Amazon Prime." Um, because it was like an add-on that you could do similar to shutter and everything like that. I think it's a matter of time where we'll see, you know, a company like Amazon kind of consolidate all of these things and they'll be able to give you, you know, at a, at a much more discounted rate, all of these services, um, Which, you know, will obviously be great. You'll have them all in one spot, and they'll kind of take over it. But uh, when I check out this Hulu streaming, I I am honestly considering that if it is that good and it has these channels, I might just drop the cable portion of my cable completely and just use them for my Internet, and that's it.
3: Yeah, I actually, I myself am not paying for cable right now. Um, I pay through Internet. I pay for the Internet through our local provider. Um. I do, I do pay, like, the, I got, like, the 20 or $25 a month package from Sling TV, uh, that online yeah. uh, streaming TV thing, because uh, I mm-hmm. need my NHL network. I need my NHL network and a couple of other channels uh, that they all provided at that price level. And then I have, you know, I have Netflix and, you know, some other
2: stuff. So, But, yeah, to, to circle back to what we were talking about, uh, Swamp Thing is going to be one of the series that's going to be on the DJ Who? streaming service. Swamping, uh, It's
1: going to be on the, <laughs> the streaming service.
2: Um, but what's interesting is that it's going to be helmed by James Wan, uh, known for the Conjuring series. And by the way, the nun fucking smashed box office records with like $130 billion, I think, opening weekend. So now, $131 TV, 30 million,
1: 131 million over the course of the weekend, which, again, you know, all together... All five <laughs> yeah, Conjuring films, I, I totaled this up, all five Conjuring films have cost them a total of $108 million as far as their budgets go. Um, mm-hmm. They have made $1.33 billion on a budget yeah, that's, that's of $1, billion, mm-hmm. one, billion, uh, one million basically. So that is a fucking ginormous amount of profit. <laughs>
2: It is. I mean, it's found its home with a lot of of people, you know, fans of the series, of the Conjuring series, of Annabelle, of of the Nun, which just came out. Uh, You know, me, I'm not a particular fan of it, but I could definitely respect the fact that they're making major bank. Uh, So, I mean, if you're Lee L, James Wan, if you're any of these people involved with the Conjuring series and, and the universe as it stands, I mean, you know, why stop now? But... James Wan is also doing the Swamp Thing for DC Universe, the streaming service. And Derek Mears, Jason Voorhees, from the reboot of Friday 13th, will be playing Swamp Thing, and they're going to make it okay. as graphic as possible.
1: They're super not nice back. guy to boot, man.
2: Yeah, Just super so. nice guy. Yeah. But they are going to make it as graphic as possible. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, if I can see some stuff like a trailer. But, yeah, they're going to be making it as graphic as possible, which is where Swamp Thing needs to be. Bloody, graphic, gory it's going to be a practical suit for Derek Mears. It's not going to be a CGI thing. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Not having a CGI suit for Swamp Thing, but actually having a physical suit that he has to wear.
3: Yeah. You know, one, yes, Derek Mears is a super nice guy. I have a great photograph of him choking me out. Um, (laughs) I will, I will maybe, I I know it was on our Instagram long ago. Maybe I'll throw it up on the Facebook page, uh, you know, so you guys can check it out. It's quite funny. But yeah, uh, you know, the Swamp Thing is, uh, the original, uh, the first Swamp Thing movie, uh, you know, has a very strong, strong little spot near and dear in my heart. Um, you know, that's one of them early ones that was on, like, relentlessly when HBO yep. first entered my mm-hmm. life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it a thousand times. The Urban Red, I've seen Adrian Barbeau's boobs a thousand times, and, oh, yeah. uh, you know... So vastly different than the sequel with Heather Locklear, but uh, <laughs> yeah. when I saw this news, you know, like I'm like, all right. Like, she was so
1: hot though, too, man. She was. Oh, I know, so I, hot know like that I know, I know, that point, I know. Before she, she went fucking I, ballistically crazy.
3: Uh huh. I, I I'm <laughs> with you on that 100%. But I I saw this news and like I'm like, all right, I'm gonna read this news about Swamp Thing because you know, like I like Swamp Thing. I don't know how excited I am about Swamp Thing in 2018, but yes. Uh, when the the king was just saying that they're going to be making it as graphic as possible, they said, yes, this thing is going to be a serious hard R and that DC, like I guess the movers and shakers in charge of this DC streaming service have given them the green light to do whatever they want with this property content wise and making it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I guess a hard R was the terminology that they were using. So I found that pretty interesting and, you know, it, it has me looking forward to it. So uh, hopefully, I mean, I'll probably watch it illegally because I'm not going to pay for another streaming service like that doesn't have a lot of content that I'm interested in, uh, just so we can have that on the table. But, um, you know, I will be maybe looking forward to checking that out. Yep. That's
1: yeah, what I'm uh, it as well. well. Again, like I said, a lot of their animated films are hard R films. There's a lot, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah they are. I was are. watching one of them. Um, in here, and I remember Sam like came in, and it was just like, nah, kid, you can't, you know, I know it's a cartoon, but it's just a no. <laughs> and then the no on
0: this Batman cartoon, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do
2: you think, Monkey, about Derek Mears playing Swamp Thing? You know, where do you stand on this whole thing?
0: Well, that whole thing it was, it wasn't really what was getting to me. I was looking up the catalogs and stuff like that, and it was along with Titans, they're going to be having, I think, an Aquaman series. They're going to be having Continued animated series like the ghoul said Of um, One thing is Harley Quinn Is supposed to have an, an Ongoing adult animated series um, Another one is Like a porn?
1: Are, hey Mr. J, <laughs> I'm going to give you a handshake <laughs> Oh Harley
0: Honey you suck on my knob <laughs> But then they're also doing a Superman Prequel live action show called Metropolis You know, So we'll see how that goes I, I guess they're trying to do all that, but I'm curious if they're going to pull all the material from WB, but, because, you know, you like just to try and give themselves stuff, but on the flip side, it's like those shows are still doing really well on WB.
1: Which is why they're not pulling done, them, because you, yeah. you need that content on there, because that's PG content. That's stuff yeah. that, you know, kids can watch. It's, you know, like I, it's usually popular amongst, you know, the uh, – I don't want to say the teen crowd, but I would say you know your eighteen to twenty four yeah, age range. Old. So you know those those are the guys that are watching those. So they're not losing that anytime soon. You know they're not yeah. stupid. They'll give that. They'll I make that available on the streaming service to watch though. I, I, I'm curious, so
0: if they're going to bring back all the old DC cartoons from when we were kids. Like you know, bat, you know, Batman and Robin, Super Friends, that kind of shit from back in the day. Oh. That that would be cool if they brought that shit back, man.
1: Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to see the Wonder Twins. Zan and Jan.
0: I mean,
2: the whole. I mean, i the whole of Justice. Oh, sorry, yeah. But I'd love to see how the DC streaming service does. Uh, as far as the DC Extended Universe, the movie series, Henry Cable is done as Superman. He just stepped out today. He says he's not doing uh, Superman anymore, and Ben Affleck also said that he's stepping out of Batman. So the DC Extended Universe, and the cinematic-wise, uh, they've got a lot of work to do to <laughs> figure out what they're going to do uh, if they're planning on making any further movies, because he just had two major actors step out of roles, especially Henry Cable as Superman. I mean, that leaves well, uh, a huge kind of hole.
1: If they're smart, there really is the easiest way in the world to just simply work this, and it's already built into the DC universe. You know, DC was one of those, similar to Marvel, you know, they have something that is also like this, but DC kind of, in my opinion, did it better. Um, They have their whole infinite worlds thing, so you Uh, can easily change your actors (laughs) built in by just making them come from one of their billions of fucking billions of different earths that are all in these multiple dimensions. And, you know, that explains it right there. Why Henry Cavill is no longer Superman because he was Superman from earth fucking 361. And, you know, something <laughs> happened. This guy came in and now we got Superman from earth, you know, 2,118.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's not exactly easy. how they it's explained. It right
2: yeah, they explained it that way. The DC uh heads explained it that way. They explained it as Superman's kinda like James Bond. You know, he's interchangeable. You know, you could just put a different actor in it if you want, and it's fine, and it works. And Henry Cable stepping out box. is not a big deal to them. <laughs> They'll make another bring, Superman. Bring,
1: bring us a deal. Us. You know? We, we we love that movie. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, bring, bring back check. Bring Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: oh God. No. Even though the, the one that just got really that
1: game is hysterical. Straight. Just I know, you I let you know, know. I, I, no, I've I, played I, new one. It's funny as shit. Yeah, shit. It is, it is awesome. very I've, funny.
2: I've seen it on YouTube, the cutscenes, and I just I had a great time with that. I was laughing my ass off at these uh, cutscenes with Yayay. Yay. It's
1: like it's a straight up black exploitation video game, man. It's it really
2: spiritual. is. It, it really is. But uh, to go back to Doc before you know we wrap up our news, you have anything else you want to talk about? Yes.
3: Right on, man. Go for it. Uh, very quickly, and King, I'm going to do this all in one shot. I'm going to do this all in one shot very quickly. We don't even have to comment on it. Uh, Just to get the news out there, it's a piece of which that you uh, emailed me about earlier today. Uh, But first, uh, the upcoming 2018 Halloween had its debut screening at the Toronto International Film Festival just the other night at a midnight uh, screening, and the the buzz coming out of there is all positive. Um, So that's all I want to say about that, and then uh, tied in relation to that, is starting September 17th, I'm sorry, September 27th nationwide. uh, There are going to be theatrical showings, theatrical showings (laughs) of the original Halloween, 1978 John Carpenter Halloween. So it's playing close to me. uh, Monkey and and Ghoul, I know you guys are out there in, uh, in, I mean, Monkey and King, you guys are out there in Pennsylvania somewhere. uh, So I don't know exactly uh, where you guys will get to see it. Uh, Ghoul, uh, if you want to see the original Halloween in the theaters, they'll be in to- somewhere in Tom's River and somewhere in Stone Harbor. Um, okay. so, so that is our Halloween news for the week. And then finally, uh, well, uh, and something else really quick that we don't have to talk about at length because I know that we're getting into uh, movie territory time, uh, but Wesley Snipes has uh, said that there are two new Blade projects uh, that are being oh. developed uh, that, uh, you know, with the great success that Marvel has had with Black Panther, uh, they want yeah. to strike while the iron is hot, and they feel bringing Blade back uh, is something that they can strike the iron with. And Wesley Snipes uh, is fully on board, saying that, as he has always stated, that he is the only one who can play Blade. So uh, they didn't say if they're a film. They didn't say anything other than there's two Blade projects. Uh, so that's from the Blade universe. And then I have... One more thing that is—I just think—is like the wildest thing, and I don't know if any, any of you guys have seen this. But anyway, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Death Wish series, and uh, at least the first three. In fact, I think Death Wish three is just a crowning achievement of '80s filmmaking. Um, I can agree there. I love Death Wish three. Death Wish it's my three favorite is just—it's it, my favorite by far. It's absolutely brilliant. But anyway. Uh, Recently, there was a remake of Death Wish starring Bruce Willis. That was, I, I watched it. It was absolute schlock. Uh, it was so really? stupid. I did not it was like that it. that bad? It was pretty schlocky, man. Like, at first, when I heard this project announced, I was like, oh, man, this is stupid. And then when it was getting close to the time of it coming out, I was like, all right, maybe I'm a little interested in this. And then I watched it, and I was kind of like, oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, there's a movie coming out called Death Kiss. And it's not... Related to the Death Whisperer, more more, yeah. I'm getting to that. the The character is not named Paul Kersey; he's named the Stranger. He's played by an actor named Robert Kovacs, who also sometimes goes by Robert Bronzy. This guy is like a stunning,
0: yeah, spitting image
3: of Charles Bronson. (laughs) It's un, it's absolutely (laughs) unbelievable. (laughs) So it really
2: is. It's amazing.
3: Coming out. He's yep. coming out in this movie called Death Kiss where he plays like a vigilante-type character called The Stranger, and it's just absolutely absurd how much this guy looks like Charles Bronson. I can't believe what I'm watching when I was watching and the this trailer a, for this movie. And, and this is a also new, new movie? It's, a, it's new a new movie one. coming yeah. out this year in 2018. It's called Death oh, okay. Kit. And what's even funnier is that, like, the second actor in that movie is Richard Tyson, who plays the villain in Kindergarten Cop as well as 3 O'Clock yeah. High, a classic buddy Ravel in the 3 O'Clock High. But anyway, uh, uh, that's what I have this week. Um, uh, if you haven't seen Ghoul, I'm texting you a picture of this guy
2: right now. It's uncanny how much he looks like Charles Bronson—the mustache, the facial expressions, the hair. Like, it, I thought that it was Charles Bronson when I first saw the picture of him as in Death Kiss. I was just so and impressed, like how much this guy looks like Charles Bronson. Okay.
0: And lastly, King, King, did you want to talk about it news, or you want to just put that off till next week? I can put it off till next week. I mean, it's not okay. important.
2: You know, it's not a huge thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was glad that uh, the doc brought up the death kiss thing I saw that earlier on um, Bloody Disgusting, and I was like, "Oh shit. And I was like, is that Charles Bronson? Did they bring him back from the dead? Like, is that possible, Matt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, if, Disney, if, Disney, if Disney has a, any ties to the CGI, the, yeah. Uh...
2: It, it was impressive. And, and, yeah, as far as the Blade thing goes, uh, what we're seeing if he comes back. I mean, it, Blade 3 was terrible, in my opinion. But the TV series with Sticky Fingers, the rapper playing Blade, yeah. Wesley Snatch is
0: right. There's only one Blade, and it's him. So, and, and, you know, to- is- and you know Wesley Snatch oh. is going to be all over that because he, he still has all those taxes to pay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I would think that they'd want to take – like if they're going to do two – if they're saying two projects, what I'm wondering is is I'm wondering if one of them is going to be a Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um hmm because I feel like Blade fits in more with the themes of those series where you have Daredevil and Luke Cage and all of that. Right. Um, yeah, the whole no, Defender storyline. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, the only other thing I could think too is if they were going to try to start uh, another version of that only because the one difference, they, they kind of don't go too far into Supernatural. With those um, series, um, yeah, which, which I do like. You um, know, I don't know if I want to see another theatrical blade. I enjoyed the films for what they were, even the third one, which is terrible by far. Sure, uh, especially H. in comparison <laughs> to the first <laughs> yeah. two. Um, Wesley Snipes didn't even, even, even a reference. reference
3: part three. In his statements about these upcoming projects, he said, I know that all of you loved the first two Blade films and I have good news to bring you about these upcoming projects. He didn't even reference the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth it. Yeah, that, that, that is, is very precious.
1: Precious. Cool, cool. <laughs> check, but, your,
3: check your text messages, Ghoul.
1: No cheese. your and, uh, and talk about what the doctor
2: Monkey, says, Monkey, says, have you the seen the this guy, Monkey? No,
1: I Jesus have not. Christ. Alright, right. Monkey, what the, um, fuck?
3: Check the yes. Monkey, check the Facebook messenger in like ten seconds. He is
2: childborn, wow, like reborn. He is reincarnated. That's, like, that's,
1: that's fucking amazing. bizarre, man. That's that's straight fucking bizarre. Monkey, yeah. check the Facebook
0: messenger.
1: Yeah. That's fucking crazy, right? It. That's crazy. Yeah,
3: and he goes by, and he goes and he goes by Charles Bronzy sometimes. He goes by well, his name is Robert Robert Kovacs. And he, sometimes he goes by Robert Bronzy. Ooh, Holy well, yeah.
0: shit!
3: Isn't he that is, absurd? Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? It looks I like someone
0: TGI Charles man. It looks like someone Charles Bronzy's face on somebody's body. Right? Seriously, it's
2: not like
3: he has like little YouTube videos and he says, "Hey, look at me!" It's fucking ridiculous.
2: Hey, look at me, Robert, go back. Just kiss. <laughs> I haven't seen the trailer for it yet, but I just saw the pictures, and I'm like, oh, man. Like, I want to see this movie now. Just because I want to see if he could just pull off the Charles Bronson voice. Even though he's not playing, you know, the character Paul Kersey, he's playing the stranger, I just want to see if he's going to do, like, a, a Bronson kind of impersonation. He has to. Like, he, <laughs> there's I mean, i no watched way. the
3: trailer, and, like, it looks, that's, it, you know, that's what it looks
1: like. Yeah, yeah, there's just no way around it. But, yeah, she that seemed, uh, strange. I keep thinking about when you sit on your fucking hand and jerk off, you know? And it works. It's <laughs> great.
0: <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, and
2: then real quickly before we go into the movie, uh, to what the doc had said about Halloween, uh, doing the premiere at TIFF and how all the reactions were really positive, it has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I'm not surprised. Like, I was not surprised. You can't, that that that'd be yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't go by that. It shouldn't, but at the same time, I wasn't surprised. Like, I was not surprised that Rotten Tomatoes gave it a hundred percent. You know, certified fresh. I knew it was. Like, I wasn't surprised. Like, I wasn't like, oh, really? Like, no. I, I knew so, that Halloween was going to get a hundred percent.
1: Oh,
3: based on like, like I don't even know how they put that stuff way. together. I don't even know how they put stuff that stuff together as far as the percentages of Rotten Tomatoes. Nor do I even care. But you know, that's one of those things. People that people that that got to see this film at the Toronto Film Festival, uh, regardless of what they truly felt in the heart of hearts about the film, were going to be so jacked up, like the electricity that was probably yeah. in that theater made it be just an awesome experience, regardless yeah. of the movie. So people that saw it, if that's leading to the Rotten Tomatoes, people are walking out of that theater on such a high.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, they were such on, on such an adrenaline high. <laughs>
2: Well, and that was the thing, too. You know, the, again, quick wrap-up. But uh, there was a recent interview that was done last week for Entertainment Tonight with uh, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, the director. And they had originally said their intent was to do two films back-to-back. They were going to do Halloween 2018, and they were going to make a sequel. And they were going to do them right back-to-back, so there was no time lost. But oh, yeah, I feel like we the maybe talked about that a few weeks ago. Yeah, they didn't do the sequel because they didn't think anybody was going to really like Halloween. They thought that people were going to be mad people weren't going to really appreciate it, but it's like, come on. You know, I, I guarantee you this movie, when it releases on October 19th, is going to make major money at the box office, and it's inevitable. You're going to have a Halloween 2 follow-up for this movie. Like, there's just no doubt about it. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to see another Halloween film after this well, movie. Well, I mean,
1: it's it's smart on their part if, you know, things haven't already been put into play as far as contracts go, because if the movie is successful, it gives them some wiggle room as far as negotiating, you know, a higher sure. amount of pay. Um, but on the same note, that can totally bite them in the ass, because the studio can always say no and just go get somebody else. So well, That's true, too. Uh, it doesn't
2: necessarily mean that it's going to have to be them. That doesn't, you know, it could be a whole new crew, a whole new director, a whole new crew, so who knows? But I definitely don't think we're going to see the last of Michael Myers uh, after this one that comes out, So, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but especially with the 100% <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, like the doc had said, like we've all said, that doesn't matter to me. I've seen movies that get lowly rated on Rotten Tomatoes that I love. Like, there's so many movies that, like, get a low rating on Rotten Tomatoes, that I'm like, what? That movie's great.
0: <laughs> what, like Alice, like Alice, Sweet Alice?
2: Well, like Alice Sweet Alice and like Super Troopers, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So thank you, monkey, because I know how bugs are going to trap But to get Check into the way. movie tonight, it is my pick tonight. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Alice Sweet Alice, directed Oops. by Alfred Soule, 1976. Uh, the plot of the movie is you have Brooke Shields in her first film role back in 1976 playing Karen, a nine-year-old who's going to receive her first Holy Union. But on that day, she is brutally murdered. The suspect list is pretty short because all the cops think that Alice, her older sister, did the deed. So they put her away into a child shelter. But the murders continue. So was it really Alice or is it somebody else? Um, I picked this movie because it's been a a favorite of mine for a long time. I saw it years and years and years ago, uh, back when Bravo, the TV uh, station, they had their Bravo's 100 Scariest Moments. And that movie was in the 80s as far as number-wise as being one of the scariest moments. And I said, I've got to seek this movie out because it's a New Jersey film. It's 76. It, you know, it looked like it was something that I would really enjoy. And I have since watched it numerous times. I had the actual Anchor Bay DVD uh, that came out many moons ago. I've since lost track of where it is. But it's a movie that I go back to every now and then when I just want to have something different. Um, like I had said, I'm a huge fan of '70s horror, and, and that's why I picked it. I was saving it for one of these episodes, and I'm glad that I decided to do it now. Uh, but with that said, uh, Google, what do you think about Alice Sweet Alice?
1: Um.
0: um <laughs> dramatic Falls.
1: Um. All right. Uh, wasn't uh, terrible. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't good either. This is one of those movies that, you know, I've obviously heard of over the years, um, and I know it's it's highly ranked as far as, you know, horror, horror films of the time go. I really tried to keep that in mind while watching the movie. Right. Uh, but, I don't know, they were just... Certain parts of this film just bored the fuck out of me, man, and I know a lot of that has to do with the age of it, and, you know, the style of acting, and filming, and storytelling pace, and and all of that, um, it It wasn't terrible, terrible, but... It wasn't great. And you, you know uh, me; I don't need to always see boobs, even though that's nice. Um, right. I, I, I like like t- I like tits. Don't get me wrong; uh, I uh, enjoy the uh, uh, buck um. out of them. Uh huh. No, but at the same time, you know, I, I'd like to say we see Brooke Shields tits a couple of years later, but you know, uh, it's not even her. That's a body. It's a body, uh, okay. it's a body <laughs> double anyway. Wasn't what I was afraid of. <laughs> yeah. But
2: All right. So, Doc, what do you think about Alice with Alice? Man, I I have (laughs) conflicted views about
3: this one, too. I mean, uh, this is one that I hadn't seen until watching for the show Um, for no reason. You have known about it. And, you know, I've kind of there was a period of time, maybe 15 years ago, I was really kind of digging into some stuff from the 70s. you know, I would be like bringing that stuff over to the ghouls sometimes for late night viewings, and he'd be like, "Oh man, we're watching this old shit." And you know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes, sometimes we would like hey, it, and sometimes in my not fucking so much.
1: defense, what I'm going to say right now is this: the reason why I would always say that is because you'd get there, we'd put that old shit on, and, it and within asleep. like 15 to 20 minutes, your ass is fucking sleeping, dude. Every <laughs> That's time, not true put at all. Like that, all. Would be, you would be doing the same <laughs> shit.
3: You'd be doing the same exact shit. But anyway. Especially if we would be smoking big fatties. But, um... <laughs> anyway. uh, I, is, this a it weeds, is it a sure. slasher? Is it,
1: is, it, is it... like the devil's, devil's lettuce.
3: Yeah, and I would also be coming after working like eight hours, like closing down the restaurant, man. But anyway, uh... Is this a fucking, like, a religious thing? Is it a slasher thing? Like, I feel like this movie didn't know exactly what direction it wants to be, because some of the religious overtones in the beginning were super fucking creepy, and I'm like, alright, like, I can get into this, because I think religion is super fucking creepy, uh, oh, yeah. but then it really wasn't having that feel, uh, gets back to it a little bit later, um, there's some fucking weird shit, like, in the 70s, with, like, adults and the kids, like, the the pastor, uh, what was the guy, the preacher at the beginning, Tom, is that his character Father name? Tom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Father Tom, yeah. Yeah, Father Tom, was, like, Tom. Super man, fucking son. creepy. That Brook his character in the beginning, man, like really creepy, creepy. Like, and, and oh, there was drops? a whole bunch of yeah. other kids like getting the communion. Like, did they all get the special fucking treatment with heirloom jewelry and shit? Like, really <laughs> fucking <laughs> weird, man. Um, well, the so, movie like, takes place in
1: Yeah, it place 61. in
0: sixty-one.
1: You know, religion was was treated a lot differently back then, you know, and especially, you know, Catholicism, yeah. Christianity, it was, it was, it was more, I don't want to say it was more important, but I think it was treated more seriously than what we Movie. see yeah. in this day and yeah. age by most people. Yeah, back then yeah. the priests
3: were fucking the kids and getting
0: away with it, not having it become <laughs> yeah. fucking media scandals. Mm -hmm. listen
1: man it's not like that's the only religion that's ever had any kind of issue of that nature so
3: yeah well they did too that's why I'm not into any fucking religion because they're all diddling their
1: fucking altar boys Um, (laughs) listen I don't I don't disagree I'm just not pointing out any specific one you know what I mean I just I'm just saying that that's the reason why you know the the ceremony was as was treated the way that it was
2: Right. And they also so had a priest world. on set that was doing a lot of their, their production. You know, they had a priest that was setting up the, the communions and things like that. So that's why the movie had that kind of air of uh, reverence to Catholicism. Because they had a yeah. priest on set that was showing them exactly what to do for, you know, different kind of services. So, and it worked in that sense. But go on, Doc. <laughs> this is how you win over the parents so they don't realize what you're doing. Um,
0: <laughs> so this one time at band camp? This <laughs> <laughs> one time, it's, uh,
1: <laughs> "My name is Petey, and I've got gigantic balls.
0: So <laughs> balls, it's, it's killing me." Um,
3: so you know, like there was some creepy stuff. Um, it, it's a strange movie, man. I feel like it didn't know what it wanted to be, um, you know. And then obviously pacing. Obviously, there's the you know kind of shocking murder. Um You know, at the beginning, and then like it had a lot of pacing issues, which I know is a product of the time, uh, where uh, it went a long time before I think the next victim I think was was Aunt Karen, and uh, that was even quite a while uh, till we got to that. So there was issues to me with pacing, and again, those are things that is common to movies of all genre from from that era. Um, So I'm not going to like hold that against it, but it takes away from the kind of enjoyment. Of sitting down to watch it you know maybe uh like we say about a lot of these older flicks that if this is something that i had watched earlier at a time when i was really deep into looking at film of that era i might feel different but sitting down to watch it for the first time i found this to be very flawed and confused about what it was trying to be
0: mm-hmm. all right so monkey go ahead what do you think that I all right doing? uh I-, I agree a lot with the other hosts um I feel like this movie was very confused. It didn't know what it wanted to be, like the doc had said. Uh, I felt it was very discombobulated. To me, I felt like I was watching a movie about four separate stories that and somehow were tied to Alice in their own way. And I feel like if Tarantino had done this project, he would have done it right and made it fluid. And that was the problem is I felt like we had four very fluid. different stories and <laughs> like you know one Lack was trying juice? to be a, you know, yeah it's like one was trying to be a slasher you know um two of them were trying to be lifetime channel movies another one was trying to be an after school special you know and it's no i'm sorry i take that back one of them was trying to be a trauma movie you know and it's just that there was no flow it didn't even exist the, yet <laughs> yeah no, no. it is yeah it not, not in 19- the 70s <laughs> No, but Uh, this takes
1: place in 61 It's 76, but this is also 76, man Yeah This movie was chasing very specific It's it's chasing specific films Uh, We can get those when when we get there
0: Yeah, Yeah, and I'm going to bring them up
1: too uh, Yeah, Yeah, but I just felt like
0: there was no flow Between the storylines And I felt like I was watching Four different movies packed together And chopped together together and slapped together And it just Didn't know what it wanted to be they were
1: slap chops together? Yeah. Slap-chop. Yeah. Fucking slap-chop, man. I haven't heard that <laughs> ages.
0: <laughs> Fucking slap-chop. <laughs> but, but no, but it's just I felt like this movie didn't know what it wanted to be, and I'm having a really hard time trying to figure out why horror, you know, connoisseurs, if you will, love this movie so much. The only thing I can think of is this movie is so way off the radar that connoisseurs are claiming this as a great horror movie just because, you know, they, they want to Because be it's got a young brook you uh, yeah, yeah, she was so they, solid They, they like movie. to look That's at her. Yeah, yeah, but, shit, shit.
2: T- t- monkey, monkey, to call you out, though, what you had just said, what did you tell me last night? You said that this is a movie that horror snobs.
1: That <laughs> he loves you, but he didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, well, he does, and I love him, too. <laughs> That's the <sad laughs> point. It's the fact that you I, said that horror snobs like this movie. And I wasn't yes. offended by that, but at the same time, I, I don't think this is a horror snob by the movie. I think it's, it's uh, you know, if you're a fan of Giallo films, I think you would really like this movie. Because it is kind of basing itself on a, a Italian Giallo films of the time. Um, but it's very grindhouse. Giallo, giallo films? Giallo. like Argento giallo? was doing back in the day.
1: Yeah, yellows. Yeah, yeah. You cello, know, uh, dude. Like <laughs> yellow. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, no. Uh,
0: uh, Italian horror movies they usually have a, a masked villain throughout the entire movie, and you have a great reveal at the end. Right, and that's what the yeah. Like, it was kind of basic. It's
2: like my on. sex life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah.
2: No. So yeah, I appreciate the opinion, but I I don't think it's a horror snob film. You know, I, I think it, it's open for everybody to interpretation, but I think that if you enjoy it, you enjoy it for what it is. I mean, it's got a lot of creepy... I agree with the king
1: there, only in that I think, like, the original Dawn of the Dead is, like, a horror snob film, you know?
2: A lot yeah. of people think that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of... It, again, that's another movie where I've heard a lot of people say that. You know, it's,
1: uh, you
2: know, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, a huge horror snob movie, you know? You know, if you like it, you know, great. If you don't, what the hell is wrong with you? So, mm. but, you know, neither here nor
0: there. I <laughs> no, honestly, but. But, but, but on the flip side, like, in my closing is I'm glad we're, you know, we, we're having a chance to cover it because, again, like the King said, you know, when they talk about greatest horror movies and, you know, stuff like that, they, you know, a lot of times they bring this movie up, and I'm glad to be able to knock this off the list and be like, okay, well, I watched it and I gave this movie a try. You know, so King thank you for picking it, just just so I can at least say, Hey, I did check out that yeah. movie. Yeah, definitely one that you could turn up the list, and, you know,
2: yeah.
0: and that's and that's the thing that I really like about this show with, you know, the four of us is, you know, we all don't have to like the movie, but we do all get exposed to new movies because of the way we pick our own movies. Alright, that's hmm. it, moving on. And you
2: know, the and going into the movie, you have Karen who's played by Brooke Shields in her first role, like I said. Uh, she's playing Karen. a nine-year-old, getting ready, for, she's getting ready for her first Holy Communion. But nope. Paula E. Shepard, who plays Alice, was 19 years old, playing a 12-year-old in this film. Man, she, she did not look fucking actor. 19 in that movie, man. She, nope, but <laughs> she was 19 years old, playing a, a 12-year-old in this film. But it worked. Oh, but she, I don't feel so bad about play.
1: my heart on it anymore.
2: <laughs> no. And you shouldn't uh, because she is of age in this movie. But she uh,
0: is only four feet tall.
1: <laughs>
2: and to, to go Woo-hoo! to Pat's point, uh, talking about Father Tom, when he gives Karen the, the gold necklace at the beginning of the movie where I he's like, Oh, the to father family. Tom <laughs> So one of the things that is not really brought up in the movie too much is that Katherine Stages, who plays the mother, played by Linda Miller, she was kind of trying to be romantically involved with Father Tom. And that's why he kind of took special treatment to Alice and the Karen, Because Which she we learned the later. One that was trying to be romantically involved with Father Tom. And it doesn't show up immediately, but at the same time, another big no-no, he's a priest, can't really start fucking women because you're a priest and you take a vow of celibacy. But it was but, kind of cool to see that in there, playing with that kind of theme. See, in...
1: If, if
0: If he was only a missionary, he could have done a missionary style.
1: Absolutely. She wanted wanted (laughs) to suck his (laughs) pee-pee.
2: But that's what I I, kind of wanted to to kick off a little bit of the conversation, is because we don't get a lot of Karen in this film. I mean, she's obviously the first victim on the day of her first communion. She's strangled by a killer wearing a translucent mask, which I love that mask uh, in this movie, especially with the yellow rain slicker. But the relationship between Karen and Alice, I mean, it's relatable, I think, to a lot of people that have siblings. Because you have parents that kind of take a special liking to one sibling over another, and you have that jealousy. And I thought that Alice and Karen played off of each other really well, where Alice just wanted attention, but Karen was getting all of it. So I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion
0: about that, the sibling rivalry between uh, uh, Alice and Karen. Yeah, it's just again, it's like because I was the one that you know mom liked best, and you know I'll sit there and say it is like well, yeah, my sister acted out a lot, and you know she was definitely the Alice in our family doing weird ass shit, setting shit on fire, doing crazy shit, you know while I was the saint that was doing shit on the side that mom didn't know about. But yeah, you know, <laughs> you know we all have those relationships in our families and. Yeah, you have the preferred one, and then you have the one that starts trouble and stuff like that. It's just, but on the flip side, Al- Alice was striking me as really fucking dark, though, right off the get go. I don't know about the rest of you guys. But it's like she, w- it's not like Alice was completely innocent in all things. <laughs> no, no, and she
2: wasn't. But yeah, what did you guys think, uh, Doc and Ghoul, about that kind of uh, back and forth? And plus with Alice, you know, right off the bat. There's, obviously, there's something wrong. You know, she's not normal by any means.
0: Doc, gentlemen.
3: <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, obviously everybody loved Brooke Shields, and uh, nobody loved Alice. It was obviously, you know, she's the golden child. She's so perfect. Everyone loves her. Um, and, you know, maybe they don't feel the same way about Alice, who's dark and, and brooding. Yeah. Um, you know they did a good job of like giving you a sense of those two different characters from the beginning, but you know Karen uh, was killed so fast that uh, in the beginning of the movie that I don't really think that uh, you know they really showed us or developed how deep perhaps their sibling rivalry against each other might might be. Um, good point. Doc. But it's obvious that, it, mm-hmm. that 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 Karen is the favorite.
2: Yeah, because uh, Karen uh, came off as very bratty to me. In the movie, like I know Alice has her problems. She's obviously a sociopath, and got you know, things wrong with her. But you know, Karen came off as very bratty. You know, where it's my first Holy Communion, I had this holy veil, and I had my dress, and I have this crucifix from Father Tom. You know, and nobody cares about you, Alice. So why don't you go back to the basement and go play with your bullshit that you have in the basement, like the roaches in a jar? And let me be the one that everybody loves. So I was kind of on the side of Alice in a lot of the sequences before Karen died, because I felt like, you know, she was the one that was being neglected. Everybody just cared so much about her, including uh, Alfonso de Noble, who plays Alfonso, the,
0: the <laughs> landlord.
2: The trauma aspect, like the what like Monkey was saying, with the piss stain on the front of his pants, like, he was just waiting to pull his dick out and just say, hey, girls, come on, hop on. Like, I just, I love the aspect of the, the landlord, um, you know, in this movie. Clearly a pederast, <laughs> if there ever was one, but just entertaining in a lot of ways They have this weird dynamic of a landlord with all his kittens and all his tuna and just laying around listening to classic music. on It a was a symbolic man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But cool. oh, what yeah. do you
3: think of the dynamic? It was all very symbolic. Uh,
1: no, I mean, you know, having five younger sisters growing up, um, you know, the, it definitely felt very familiar. Um, as far as the different personalities between the two kids. Um, no, we definitely didn't get a lot of uh, Brooke Shields in it. Um, but that being Nothing said,
3: like you know,
1: this. it's funny, the little bit that you do get of her, you see something in her. You know, even the ghoul girl, it yeah. said, when yeah. she was killed off, her, you know, the first words out of her mouth were, well, there goes the best actress in the Bucket movie. Um <laughs> But, but at the same time, similar to the king, I also found her to be kind of whiny and a little bit annoying. But that's, yeah. I think, again, just, you know, the typical younger sibling. She's the baby. Um, you know, my twin sisters, the two youngest who I think I could compare these characters to best. Uh, even though they're twins, they both got different levels of attention. Um, the one in particular... Uh, My great-grandmother, a little old Italian lady, um, had taken pretty much the one under her wing while she was supposed to be kind of watching them both. And because of that, the other one got to the point where she was very bitchy and bratty, and, you know, she just did not feel like she was getting any attention.
0: Um, So, So you definitely had that vibe going on in your family, huh, that was in the movie.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of things going on in this movie were very fucking familiar to me, which kind of sucked. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever with, with, with... Alice obviously was a troubled kid. You know what I mean? You, you heard it from the the teachers or the church whatever they were, you know, they had all their yeah. issues with it. They there, there was talk that, you know, they had suggested psycho, you know, a psychiatrist numerous times and they never ever got it checked out. They never followed up. Um I don't think Alice is an innocent by any stretch of the imagination, even though she may be innocent of the specific crime that, you know, they end up spending most of this film trying to convince you that she did.
2: Right. And that's that's the one thing I found interesting, is that when Karen is found strangled and almost set on fire in the back of the church, the suspicion is almost immediately upon Alice, because Alice is different, you know, she has her issues, Uh, like uh, the ghoul had said with the psychiatrist, the school wanted her to see a psychiatrist, she was making accidents happen in the school, but she always had an excuse for why these accidents happened. Um, but it was Catherine who said it, it couldn't have been Alice. Like, no, 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 no way. No way Alice could have done this. I know they had their issues, but it couldn't have been Alice. And then you have Dominic, the estranged husband the donkey? of Catherine, coming in. jing yeah, <laughs> yeah, not that one, but an Italian nonetheless. Dominic coming in, and basically – He's remarried to a woman named Julia, who we never see, if, if, except for a phone call. But he's coming to kind of try to clear Alice's name. It's it, impossible that Alice could have done this. You know, we need to investigate this. We need to find out, except for Aunt Annie, who I fucking hated in this movie, and I still hate Oh, Annie, God. Because she is annoying as fuck. I'm sorry to anybody out there who's seen Alice with Alice and likes Aunt Annie. I didn't like her, because she was just poking everywhere, which way but loose. And always blame Alice in <laughs> Well, there you go. You know, she place. lives ten minutes down the road, but she's going to stay over. Uh, they have a scene where Alice breaks the uh, milk jug, whether that was intentional or not. I think it was intentional. You know, it was still Annie saying, "Oh, it's her fault." You know, she just needs to go back to school. You know, and and Catherine trying to play the peacemaker. Um, but do you think that you guys think that Annie was right? and automatically thinking that Alice had something to do with this murder of her
1: sister.
0: Guys, go ahead.
1: I mean, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I mean, she had an opinion, and obviously she was uh, quite strong on that. Her treatment of oh, yeah. Alice, you know, no evidence Whatsoever, other than the fact that the kid wasn't in there at the time that it happened, you know, so where was she? Oh, she must have been the one doing it. Um, Again, I think, you know, I I think Annie represents the audience in a way because, Mm -hmm. you know, she is looking at. All the same evidence that we are, and like I said, the movie kind of does everything in its power to make you think that uh, that Alice is the one that has perpetrated this this horrific, anus, terrible crime. Right. Hey, anus? And it was uh. yeah,
2: but it was you also had Angela, the fat daughter of Jimmy and Annie, yeah. that was not <laughs> there at the time. Oh, my God, this this girl, you know, this poor fat girl, like, you know, just wanted to be left out of everything, you know, just wanted to eat her cake, you know, just have a good time. You know, it, okay. it was suspicion falling in her as well. Uh, well, Angela wasn't in the room either, so she could be responsible. It was kind of Annie and Catherine going back and forth. You know, okay. if you're going to blame my daughter, I'm going to blame your daughter
0: too. All right, but I'm going to rewind here because the, the, my problem was we actually saw the kill happen and it's just straight off the bat, I had problems with this because our killer was way too fucking big to be Alice, you know, and it's just Mm because we had, you know, we were seeing, you know, this big-ass person, you know, choking Alice and rolling her, you know, dragging her body over into the, the pew to set her on fire, you know, way too fucking big, and it's just, you know, so straight off the bat, I personally was like, this is not Alice or someone was too fucking stupid and used a huge-ass stunt double, you know, and... That's what I thought. I, and I which, thought... Which wasn't know,
1: out of the question for the time that this movie was made. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But but, yeah.
0: but, but yeah. this is why when I was talking to the king was, if that's the case, at least try and have the stunt double shrink up your body some to make your body mass look a little bit smaller on screen so we can at least think, okay, maybe it was Alex. You know, just... Well, I, do you different camera angles or, you know, twist up your body or something? Go ahead, Gould.
1: Well, to the filmmaker's credit, what I was going to say was, because, you know, that is something that I saw too. But what I also noticed is they did a decent enough job early in the film to kind of show us Alice and her sister together. And you can yeah. see that there was actually a, a considerable size difference between oh, the yeah. two girls. Um, mm-hmm. So when the strangulation scene happens, it really didn't look like it was all that far fetched that it could have been Alice. least yeah, not in my opinion. You know, that's, yeah.
2: And that's what, you know exactly. I, I had that kind of opinion too. You know, it, I mean, obviously you know, they had to bring a stunt person in to do the, the strangulation, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that it could have been Alice at that particular moment. Um, the, the one thing I did like, and it was a kind of a, not necessarily a throwaway scene, but it was kind of show you how Alfonso is as a landlord. After Karen's okay. death, uh, Catherine says, hey, Alice, bring this cake down to Mr. Alfonso. He's been really good to us. He's brought us flowers and he's did all this stuff. So bring the, you know, bring this down to him, be a good girl, and then do that. So she brings the cake down, he answers the door, And Alice knows that Alfonso likes the the young girl, so she dips her fucking finger into the cake and she starts sucking her finger. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Doc, what did you think about that scene? Because I thought it was just hilarious. The fact that she was just toying with this fucking guy the entire time.
3: Yeah, look, there's some of those things in this movie that were just fucking weird and bizarre, especially for the time that this movie was made. Um... You know, I'm thinking more along the lines of what happened when she was sent down to deliver the rent check. Uh, but, oh, but, yeah, still, yeah. Man, just, just fucking weird. Just super fucking weird.
2: It was, it was. It was bizarre, but I just liked that she was toying with him. Like, you know, oh, here's the cake and just sucking on her finger. And he's like, yeah. I love the fact that he said, the good die young. And he goes, obviously, the better one dies. <laughs> you know, you're left behind. Karen's dead. Obviously, the wrong one dies because he doesn't like Alice, but, you know, he likes the fact that she toys with him, I think, just a little bit. Um, you know, and, and Annie kind of taking over, even though Dominic's around and Catherine doesn't want her there, I just I, I wanted to see something happen to Annie. And we get a great reveal, because at the one point where they're both getting ready to leave the apartment, you have this person coming up with a rain slicker and a knife and a translucent mask, and really just digging into Annie's uh, foot and her thigh and just stabbing the <laughs> shit out of her. And Annie's screaming the entire time, Alice, Alice, stop, Alice! Like, you know, and just dragging her fucking body outside of the apartment complex. It was one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it was effective. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get stabbed and scream once and just pass out. No, she was screaming the entire time. And you have Catherine holding on to her sister in the pouring rain. You know, while her sister cries that it was Alice, it was Alice, even though she was in the basement the entire time. Um, and you have the blood left over on the sidewalk, which I thought was a great effect. Yeah, and but still really you're
3: missing – you talked about this – hold on. You, you got you to pause for a quick sec, because you talked about when they had them bring the cake down, but you totally have leapfrogged over when she goes to bring him the rent check. And that's what leads that her down later. into the basement in the, scene in the beginning. What's that? Well, the rent check happened later. So he brings the rent check. She brings the rent check first, and he tries to molest her, and she strangles that the cat. That happened
1: later. No, it doesn't. The happen rent check is, the, the, the cake happens first, because that was Yeah, after I was going to say, the rent check that. happened after that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the cake happened Dude, first. So I rent have check it open later. right here. At the 35-minute mark, he's trying to molest her. She strangles the cat. And then the scene you're talking about is a little bit later at the 38, 39-minute mark.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah. when Annie gets stabbed Yeah, I should have said that but, uh, Alice was bringing down the rent check To Alfonso when that happened And, you know, he tried to molest her And she tore up the check And he goes, you little bitch You know, and she runs out But she was also in the basement at the time of the stabbing So when Annie gets stabbed She was in the basement So it could have been Alice Or it could have been somebody else I thought that they pointed it off really well Because the person that's playing the killer That's stabbing Annie Was height-appropriate to to Alice, I thought it could easily have been Alice at that moment.
1: Yeah, again, like I said, I mean, this is what the movie is doing, and it's it's leading you to to follow that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the the movie got released under the name Communion originally. And Holy Terror and the Mass Murders.
2: Yeah, it got released
1: under a whole bunch okay. of different titles.
2: Okay.
1: You know, so I guess what it was originally released in '76. But it didn't get its American release until '78. Um, Yeah, you know, like I feel like this movie was, you know, obviously trying to with with the religious aspects of it, trying to kind of follow on the heels of The Exorcist, you know, which was hugely Mm -hmm. popular at the time. And then the other film I feel like it was kind of trying to be was Black Christmas, um, where it was kind of trying to combine those two genres together, and it just. Made this combobulated mess instead. Mm.
3: There's was
2: also uh, Nicholas Rogue's "Don't Look Now," which came out in seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Sutherland, Julie Christie. It also featured a killer in a rain slicker, except in that movie it was red, and this one's yellow. And it, it takes a lot of cues from that movie too. So if you ever get the chance to see that movie, you'll see a lot of cues that Alice with Alice took. Um, but with Annie stabbing when she's in the hospital. I love the fact that Catherine is just so dead fast that Alice didn't do this. There's just no way. Like, Alice didn't do this. Stop fucking telling everybody that Alice did this. She's like, it was Alice, though. It was Alice. Like, you know, screaming the entire time. I love her. I love her. But she did it. And then the cops come in. The detective comes in. Detective uh, Brennan's partner comes in. And he's like, well, who did this? And she's like, don't you fucking say it. And she's like, Alice! Like, <laughs> no, you know. I would have loved this movie if she would have
1: said that, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but she says, don't you say it. Like, she doesn't say, don't you fucking say it, obviously, but she says, don't you say it. Don't say what you're going to say. And she goes, it was Alice. Like, you know, and Jimmy's like, obviously, she's just, you know, she's under duress. Like, how dare you, Catherine? And it, it, it's what leads to Alice going to the children's shelter, you know, and kind of being locked away, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, Maybe she needed that. <laughs> Maybe Alice needed to be walked away for a little while in a children's shelter just to get away because I definitely think that she needed psychiatric help.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's the problem is that it's a psychiatric home. You know what I mean? And like I said, there were plenty of things in this film that were, were familiar, and, you know, I, I've dealt with that with my daughter, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it is a very similar... They they did a good job of representing her. Maybe the actress might not have been fantastic at it, but I still think it was it was good enough. Um, I thought she did. Well. You no, know, I remember my daughter's initial reaction upon getting there. You know, she her her first thought was that she wanted to be there, but you know, upon actually being there, the next reaction is I want to go home. And as a parent, right. you know, there's nothing more that you want to do than to be able to, you know, make your kid happy and, and bring them home. And you can't. You have to do something similar to what these parents did, which is, you know, basically tell your kid, like, listen, you need to be here. You know, this this might help you. And, you know, that giving that – having to tell your child that when, you know, as a parent, all you want to do is protect your kid –
0: you know yep. from from
1: everything that's possibly wrong in the world and not being able to do it, to tell them that they have to stay locked up in a facility with strange people, strange kids um is is a real truly shitty fucking feeling, and it sucks um and i I definitely got that you know so so Catherine sitting there saying that it wasn't her daughter, it wasn't her daughter. I mean, I felt like that, you know, as a parent, the last thing you ever want to think is that your kid could possibly be the one doing something of this nature, you know? And like I said, I don't think, you know, Alice is innocent by by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Uh-huh. I just
1: don't know if she is at the point yet. Where, you know, she is committing murders. Now, do I feel like this kid is, you know, a possible fucking maniac on the rise? Absolutely. Um, that could have been explored in a sequel. But, you know, we're not going to well, get
2: that's that, what. So. And that's what I really liked about that sequence when they're at the children's shelter. Uh, Dominic and Catherine go there to visit Alice. And she's so steadfast about coming home. And they're like, well, you can't. You have to stay here. We promise you're going to come home soon. And she's very angry at Catherine, like she's just like I hate you, like I just go away, leave me alone. But she has that mm-hmm. one moment where Catherine's leaving and going up the steps, and she just starts crying and runs to her mother and says, "I'm so sorry." Like you know, I felt like that was a strong part of the movie, the show that Alice, while she has her problems psychologically, she still loves her mother, you know, and she does want to be home, and she knows that she shouldn't be in this place. Yeah. You know, the one
1: problem people. with a sociopath, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you see it in particular. You know, I'm looking for very specific things within this film. If you look right. at the doll, the doll mm-hmm. that she fought because it was her sister's doll, but then she stole right. it from from Karen. The doll's got it three is. faces, and I think the three faces really? represent the three it's got three faces and i think they represent wow. the three personalities that are within the alice character because at oh, certain shit. points you'll see you'll see that doll and it will have an angry face another point it had a you know almost like a, a childish like baby face i don't remember what the the third one would be um it might just simply be like a, 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 a normal a normal face Uh, It could be a crying face, exactly. It could be that as well. Um, But I felt like those were representations of her and those were the things that we kept seeing from her. She could be somewhat normal one minute, angry the next, and then all of a sudden acting the baby. You know, as we see when she, was, when she wasn't getting her way and mom was going to leave, well, no matter what, she still wants attention and she's going to get it. And, you know, what better way to do it than to prey upon, you know, a parent's feelings of sadness, you know. And and what worked for me, and I don't know if it worked for you guys, you know, Doc and
2: and Gould Monkey, but you have this moment where Dominic and Catherine are at home and they're talking about Alice and what's going on. And they have this moment where Catherine's vulnerable. And Dominic and Catherine look at each other and they start kind of making out. You know, they're going to start, you know, getting the fucking on. And Julia calls and wondering when Dominic's going to come home. And he's like, uh, I guess I'll come home soon. I I love you too, honey. You know, and Catherine just goes, you should just go home and be with your wife. Like it, it was it was a weird moment because this is a horror film it's a Jello slash or whatever you want to call it, but it was such a genuine moment in the film where these are our ex lovers their ex wife and husband but they have that moment where they get together for a brief moment and it's broken up by his current wife you know where he's like all right I, I kind of do have to get home but I'm not going to go home until I I figure out Alice is the innocent one and that's when you get that phone call of Angela oh, I should say quotations, Angela, uh, calling uh, Dominic on the phone and saying, oh, I ran away, and I'm I'm in a park, and you need to come get me. And he's like, all right, I'll come get you. Uh, just sit there, and I'll Who's come
0: back. <laughs> you know,
2: and it was such a weird moment. I don't know. Like, was that the killer calling Dominic, or was that actually Angela? I don't know what you guys thought. I thought it was that the was the killer.
1: That was the killer, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I
2: I don't know why they shut it up that way, but they did, and he goes there, and this is another one of my favorite moments in the movie, and I want to get your guys' reaction on this, because you have Dominic going to this fucking warehouse in New Jersey on the, you know, on the water side, looking for Angela, and he runs into the killer who tries to stab him, and she ends up knocking him out with a bunch of rocks, and tying him up with rope, and trying to push him out of this... It looked like a three-foot tall, kind of like a building. Like, it looks like they were on the third story. She's trying to roll his body out. And before he gets a chance to do that, the killer reveals herself. It's fucking Mrs. Tredoni, the, the maid of Father Tom's. This old woman, this old Italian woman, is responsible. And you get that reveal of the killer. So I wanted to get, uh, Doc, first of all, what did you think about this big reveal? When she takes that mask off and it's actually Mrs. Tredoni, this old Italian woman. Yeah, look. I know
3: it's a big reveal, but like, aside from some minor annoyance early, it wasn't like they set anything up with that character to lead you to believe that oh, if it's not Alice, it must be Miss Tridoni. Um, no, yeah, and not even no, like yeah. things to be like dropping a major hints or clues along the way. It just, I no. just feel like it just didn't make much in the way of sense.
2: No, it it didn't, and it was a surprise to me the first time I watched it, and it's still a surprise to me even now. <laughs> Um, that it could be her, but she's obviously killing people because of sins, sins of the parents, uh, sins because Dominic and Catherine had premarital sex. Yeah, um, you know, Dominic biting off the, the necklace,
1: <laughs> him getting oh, stabbed. Yeah, that's that's for because her, her own daughter died. and yeah. you know, I mean, in my opinion, obviously, what seems to me was that you know she kind of lost her fucking mind. And yeah. got into the whole notion that, you know, the parents are the, the, the children suffer for the sins of their parents. So oh, for yeah. her, the whole mission was, you know, hey, I'm going to fuck up, you know, the kids of sinners.
2: Right. And it was just the fact that for me, it was great because she starts to bash his teeth in when he rips off the the necklace from her neck with his teeth. And she starts to bash his mouth in with her shoe. <laughs> like, for some reason, I just really like that effect of her just going after his mouth and getting bloodied, and she's still pushing his body out of there, and he's screaming all the way down. But, you know, I was like, she's an old woman. Like, does she have that energy to, to do this? I mean, it, it was kind of an Old amazing. Italian
1: woman, man. If you've never gotten a fucking beating from one of them, dude, they've got that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. <dude>.
2: Believe you <laughs> me. But, Monkey, what did you think about this reveal? Now you have Mrs. Tridoni no, pushing the no, dead body out of a fucking third-story
0: window. I think we could have done this whole scene without Dominic, and I think we could if instead we had the scene of her and Father Tom messing around, and somehow Father Tom got the phone call. He goes and takes care of stuff, and then it's Mrs. Trudoni, the reveal, and she goes ape shit, and then he gets away. And then he goes back to the church, and we can still build on. We don't, I felt like Dominic wasn't necessary, but I felt like if it had been Father Tom and they'd actually kind of started to hook up, that would have been more interesting to me than this whole bullshit of, you know, past lovers hooking up for no fucking reason except to burn up screen time.
2: Well, and it was also because oh. that was the reason why Alice got released. And when Alice is released from the children's shelter, she goes, your dad is the one that did it. His death was what no. got her released.
1: Yeah, well no, I mean, I don't know, as far as like past hookups, I mean it happens, man, you know, I mean I'm, Oh yeah. yeah. Not gonna happen with fucking me in any <laughs> time. But you know no, God, no. no. Came here. Uh, Um, but you know, it does does happen, you know, I know uh, a specific person that fucking had that happen with uh, a person she was dating at the time and his ex and um you know, I mean it's it's not unheard of, obviously. You know, there was a relationship, yeah. it's a traumatic time. You know, it's, yeah. they're they're looking yeah. for a connection in general due to the shittiness of the situation. And you know, they you know, found I'm, it no, within I'm, themselves.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying story wise, I think it would have been more interesting if she'd actually tried to hook up with Father Tom, that's all. But yeah, like, but Father Tom were, wasn't really she was fine, He
1: wasn't investigating anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. You no, know, and, and, and
2: Catherine had been trying at the beginning of the movie to hook up with Father Tom. That was the whole thing.
1: You know, it's
0: Yeah.
2: They were trying to do something romantically. You know, that's why Karen got the the, the gold crucifix. I mean, that was the whole reason
0: why she was kind of treated special compared yeah, to everybody far, else. Yeah, but as far as the reveal, it's like we had everything built up to this and it was, you know, unfortunately no shocker because everything was really fucking plain, especially you know, during the, the very awkward dinner scene. That, that, that was going on, where they had you know the thin ass steaks and a shitload of side dishes, and everyone was eating anything but, but the side dishes. You know, journey well, <laughs> well, was, was, was there, <laughs> and she went on this big old tangent about you know she served the church and Father Tom and all that, and you know serving Father Tom as her her life. You know, so yeah, we that to me that was the reveal, and the fact that she just took off the mask, you know, was just a happenstance. Right. And and
2: to me, I mean, Doc, I want to go to you with this one. Um, Towards the finale of the film, uh, you have Mrs. Tradone kind of going on her last mission. Uh, I'm going to go back to the apartment building. I have my knife. I have my bag. I'm going to go into the apartment (laughs) building where Mrs. Stages is, and I'm going to kill her because she's a whore, and I don't like her, and that's what the reveal is, is that she just thinks that Catherine's a whore, and we have Alfonso instead getting stabbed to death because Alice had put a jar of cockroaches on his stomach while he was sleeping. He woke up, freaked out, and he gets greeted by Mrs. Cerdoni stabbing him to death for really no apparent reason except for you have to have another body in this movie. So, Appropriate way to kind of have another body in this movie? With Alfonso getting stabbed to death? Yeah, I feel like
3: even though Alice had killed one of his kittens when he tried to molest her, uh, this is a character that you know needed to die. I not think she killed uh, it.
1: I think she threatened no, to kill yeah, it, I, threw it to the ground, and I he not like, she, "You know, she was squeezing that."
3: Maybe she didn't. I felt that she was squeezing that neck pretty hard and then slammed it down. Uh, I mean, look, who fucking cares? Um, really? <laughs> no, kid, kittens are
1: pre- kittens are pretty tough, man. I
3: tell you, they can They'll fucking carry you know, tear your ass as we go Mister Mister Alfonso loved that young young pussy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I've been saying it as as a metaphor all, all night, but why not get down to the nitty gritty here? Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: you've been saving that one, huh? That was in
3: his pocket. Look, I feel that, yeah, like that was a character, like, I don't know, I feel like from the second that that character was introduced, like he was introduced to die, um, yeah. regardless of oh, yeah. where it came in the f- film. From the second that we met him and saw that first exchange with the cake and then the molestation, like, I knew at some point that that character was getting murdered. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the film needed another body. But, I mean, that was a character that deserved to
2: die. It was
3: still great. Like, child
1: molesters (laughs) get a bad rap, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And they deserve to. But him getting stabbed in the chest and him screaming and his fat fucking body crawling away into his apartment. And then the cop it's finds so gross, him with hands in the fucking fishbowl dead and this is where the cop realizes that it's Stradoni, it's been killing all these people. Um when he goes to Father Tom he's like, "We know who it is. It's missus Stradoni. We need to fucking bring her down, man." He's like, "Yeah, well, let me do it. Hey, I'm a priest. She trusts me. She's my caretaker. I got this." So he's like, "Yeah, what's with a sharpshooter up in the the balcony? Not in my church."
0: Like, no, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the whole line of Let's bring a sharpshooter in. It's like, okay. No, i I just going to sit there and say this real quick. Sharpshooter, all right. Sharpshooter from outside through stained glass windows. Where are you going to fucking get a shot? You can't see shit. Yeah. Or were, they or, about in the sharpshooter, or were they talking about bringing a sharpshooter actually into the building? Yeah, they were talking into about bringing the in building. The bring it oh, Into the building. Bringing into the building. Oh, okay. And that's why okay. Father Thompson, not my
2: church. You're not, like, bitch. Like, you know. Let me handle this to my own um it's, my
1: my favorite line yeah. of the movie is and this was earlier, and i I totally just remembered it now. fucking when the cops are looking at Alice's files. And Uh, the the one guy says to to the other cop, and he's like, yeah, they suggested, blah, blah, blah. And the guy picks up the folder, this fucking, this cop, who, he basically turns into a no-name, because he pretty much vanishes for the rest of the movie. But he looks at her paperwork, and he just looks up, and he goes, this girl is nuts. That's
2: it. That's just the fucking line.
1: And it was just like, Uh, wow, man, is that that your fucking professional opinion, bro? Good deal. Yeah.
3: on that note, too, I'm surprised, and it's part of the weirdness of this movie, the part when they had her do the fucking lie detector test. The lie detector? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then they're afterwards, they're talking about the results, and the cop goes, Hey, did you get a look at her tits? Uh, mm-hmm. uh what the fuck? And then he's like, man, she was looking at me like she wanted to do me.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. She it's, wanted it's, me look, to feel him Like, <laughs> yeah. just,
3: just the way he fur like, that the introduction to that was to him going, did you get a look at her tits?
2: Like she's twelve years fucking old, man. <laughs> I know, yeah. And then she knocks over the lie detector fucking machine. I love the fact that she—that little bitch is ruining my machine. Stop it! <laughs> you know, <laughs> just knocks it to the ground. Um, but you go inside the church and you have everybody receiving their holy communion. Yeah, Mrs. Stradoni's is obviously antsy. You know, she's looking to get that holy communion from Father Tom. So I guess you know to <laughs> repent for her sins. And you have everybody going up, so you have Jimmy, Annie's husband, getting communion. Uh, Catherine receives it. And then Father Tom fucking skips right the fuck over Alice, goes right over to Mrs. Stradone. He's like, you got to come with me, man. Like, We know what happened. Just come with me. It'll be fine. Hey, listen, you're not going to get Holy Communion, but it's fine. She's like,
1: but the whole got it.
2: Pointing right She's like, who, me? What? <laughs> you know, like, oh, mm. nope, I'm going to fucking duck out of this scene real fast. But the fact that Tridoni reaches into her bag, grabs a knife, and stabs Father Tom in the neck, it was such a great effect because when she starts hugging his body when he falls to his knees, you have the great blood effect going down her rain, uh, rain slicker. I thought it was a great little blood effect. Whether that was intentional or not, I thought it worked. Just to see her hugging his dead body
0: with the blood going over her rain slicker. I don't know what you oh, guys no, thought no. about that. I thought it was no, a no, great. No. Fucking, yeah, 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 man. Nice, nice shot with the blood pump. I, you know, I, I, enjoyed that shot.
2: Yeah, and, and did you think that Father Tom deserved to die? Like, do you think it was his time? Like, you know, you should have trusted him. Well, it was
1: obviously his time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but
2: maybe if that sharpshooter had been up on the balcony, probably wouldn't have been a problem. But you know, I don't think Father Tom deserved to die. I think he was trying to do the right thing. Like, he was trying to talk to her and, and just get her to, to go with the police. And, you know, getting that knife to the neck, I, just, I appreciated it. But at the same time, I don't think he deserved to die. I kind of felt bad for Father Tom. Like he was just trying to do the right
1: thing the entire time
2: and to die I the way like he did. I
1: feel like all this movie showed us was that sinners died. Everybody that died <laughs> sinned in some way. So I think Father Tom yeah, is a sinner as well.
2: Well, because he was trying to get with Catherine, which is a bit no-no in the Catholic Church.
1: I don't know but if he was uh, trying to get with Catherine. I think he was trying I to get with was. fucking Karen, personally. Well,
2: I don't think so. I think he was trying to treat her like a dog. I think he was really just trying to get the good goods from uh, Catherine,
1: you know. And just wasn't You wanted to feel those, those little fucking, you know, those perky little boobies. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, uh, Doc, <laughs> what did you feel about Father Tom finally getting it at the end?
0: he had to die. That's what he felt. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like
2: it was a good way for that character to kind of get what was coming to him.
3: I mean, yeah. I don't know if you can want to frame it as get what was coming to him, but, you know, he had to die. That's
2: just the way it is. I'm
3: uh, well, sure uh, Donnie
2: was going to take it with
3: him. Donnie wanted that. Some things will never
2: change. Uh,
3: he watched it's him look at that is. girl, and it should have been hers, and... He just he had to die a blood soaked death in front of in front of his congregation, and I
2: thought that it
3: was a now, good
1: maybe,
2: Like
1: I don't know, yeah, just I liked it. Maybe uh, his I, sin was the know. fact that by not giving communion, he was passing judgment, which as mm-hmm. the priest is not. His job to do. She admitted to her sins, eh, maybe not entirely though. So yeah, that's no. kind of. She she would have had to have like fully admitted to I, to I, all the murders and she didn't. So. Yeah. I, I I thought it was pure
0: shock value, and also just oh, to, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: for for the people that were in the audience at the time, because again, like we were talking. 70s Catholicism was way heavier than it is now and the yeah. fact that no one was safe in this movie not even the father and because he what was What about not this song of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> yeah, Amen. That that's true. Yeah, but he was not <laughs> absolved of all sins as well so that's why Mrs. Trudoni and you know her own thing went stabby stabby you know because again she's at fault because she's a human as well.
2: It was, it was a great way to end it because uh, it was a great grindhouse sequence when he got killed because the one cop that's in there, he's like mm. just bowing his head and shaking his head. Like, hey, fucking pour your gun out, man. <laughs> you know, do something. Go <laughs> so just bow your head and shake it. Like, you know, like, she just killed somebody, man. Like, jump in there. But you have the great sequence of everybody freaking out because Father Tom died, and then all of a sudden you see Alice walking up the aisle, and she has that paper bag that Mrs. Trinoni was carrying, and she pulls the fucking murder weapon out of the bag, and she's like, heh hey. Like I'm like, alright, I kind of like it. Like I kind of like the fact that Alice has that knife now, even though and they're going to probably collect that for evidence.
0: Uh-huh. And freeze frame. hmm <laughs> And I love the fact that
2: it was a freeze frame. 70s freeze frame. <laughs> I cannot get enough of 70s freeze frames. The way that Dan a lot of these movies. I've always loved it, and I love it in this one because it's like, hey Alice, you're fucked up, and now you have the knife and you have the bag. But the like, cops are sure gonna be looking for that murder weapon. Alice is insane to fucking words. You know, <but laughs> Alice isn't the word. you know it, it was a great way to end that movie. Um, you know, with that freeze frame showing you that Alice has it in her to kill. You know, and I don't know if you guys got the same kind of weird vibe that I got, but yeah, that's what I got. Mm-hmm. That Alice has that knife now, and yeah. she can continue where
0: Mrs. Tronie left off.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And for, and for me, it's like, you know, as as we worked our way through the IMDb page, you know, the wiki page, um, the storyline is actually interesting. It's just, unfortunately, it was just poorly executed on screen. And it, again, like I was saying, if Tarantino had gotten a hold of this, he would have actually taken the storyline and turned it into a really great film, in my opinion. That was actually really, really fun. It's just and unfortunately it, just, it was just poorly executed. Well,
2: and to close it out real quick because we're running out of time. Uh, back Jared. in 2007, Dante Tomaselli, who was a horror director in his own right, <clears throat> he came up with the idea to remake this movie because he wanted to do a, a new adaptation of *Alice in Alice*. He was going to have it take place in the 70s. He was going to. He had a cast in mind and he had production values in mind to do this movie, but he couldn't find the studio backing um as of 2015 2016 he still says he's interested he still wants to do this movie whether or not we get a new Alice with Alice I doubt we're ever going to get it but for its time for 1976 I thought this movie was fantastic um so I'm I'm glad that you guys watched it I'm glad that you guys had your opinions good or bad but speaking of next week uh I believe it goes back to you what do you have for us next week
1: uh, you know, I kind of was thinking we may go into the Conjuring universe. I'm not sure which all of right. the four released films that I'm going to go with, um, because I feel like you could watch any one of them without seeing the others, but that's just oh, me yeah. who have that's seen cool. them all. Uh um, series. But so if you can just sit tight, I'll let you guys know by tomorrow which one, um, if that is indeed my choice. Make up because there is minds. there there is one. Well, no, I cannot make up my fucking mind. There is one other thing <laughs> on my fucking mind which I've been been wanting to fucking watch for quite some time. It's been a number of years since I've seen the movie, um, but I have to see for its availability for myself. So and yeah. well, I will uh, let you guys know. Like I said, tomorrow.
2: Looking forward to it. So, Doc, thank you so much for sitting through Alice with Alice and having this discussion with us. You're uh, welcome. We so will much. see you this week. All right. Uh, and, Monkey, thank you as well. I know that you weren't a huge fan, but at least we had a good discussion, I think.
0: No, and that's the thing is, hey, we all just have a good time watching horror movies, and we all sit there and just bullshit about it and have a great time doing it. I'm the Mad Monkey. I'm out. In the meantime, ghoul.
1: Cool. Product placement. Hey, man, um, well, I guess I got, oh, we got 90 seconds, man. My clocks are off lately. Um, yeah, no, no, we got, we got 90 out. seconds. Cool Girls Jewelry over at Bonfire Beat Designs. You'll find an Etsy page, uh, or one word, Bonfire Beat Designs. Get your asses out to the NJ HorrorCon. Unfortunately, we will not be representing this time uh, through. Uh, we will definitely be at the next one, but that does not mean that you guys shouldn't get your asses out there. So, get to the NJ HorrorCon, uh the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Showboat Excellent.
2: There we go. So, NJ Horror is happening soon. Uh, so, why don't you hit us with that classic line that you always close us out with,
1: Ghoul? Stay scared, motherfuckers.
2: Oh, Amen. Oh, <laughs> and I am the King RMDG. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for joining us uh, this week. We hope you have a good week ahead. Stay tuned next week for the Ghouls pick. As always, the Jennifer Rubin GoFundMe campaign is still running. Check out our Facebook page, Talking Terror. So check out how you could donate to that campaign. It is still running. It is still going on. So help out Jennifer Rubin's sister Annie any way you can. It is appreciated. As for me, like I always say at the end of these shows, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. We'll see you next time. Have a good week, people.